Bigfoot Society would like to thank the following sponsors for helping make the podcast possible. The Singular Fortean Society has combined open and honest paranormal investigation and journalism since 2016. Visit the Society at Singular Fortean for all the latest weird news and more. Come with us and investigate the impossible. Welcome to the Bigfoot Society Podcast. Join me, your host, Jeremiah Byron, as I uncover the stories behind the people who make the wonderfully weird and the unexplained their life's work. We love chatting about cryptids and creatures that defy logic, but that won't stop us from having people show up that you might not expect. Check out our website, www.bigfootsocietypodcast.com. It's our base for all things social media, blogs, episodes, and everything else Bigfoot Society. Follow Bigfoot Society on Instagram to keep up to date with the community daily. If you'd like to support us and help us keep the lights on for the cost of less than a cup of coffee per month, then head on over to patreon.com forward slash Bigfoot Society, where for $5 a month you'll get early access to the podcast before anyone else and exclusive access to our weekly Patreon-only Bigfoot Society After Dark podcast. It's where the week's guest stays on after everyone else leaves and shares their favorite creepier or cryptid story with me and you, the listener, as we're sitting around the campfire at our creepy cryptid summer camp. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash Bigfoot Society to also see all the shout out, Zoom hangout, merch discounts, and more that you'll have access to as an official Bigfoot Society card carrying member for only $5 a month. A little bit of this American life and a little bit of in search of is what you're about to experience. So sit back, put your headphones on, put your phone in your pocket, and relax with your favorite beverage as I uncover the stories behind your favorite entertainers, researchers, and people you've never heard of in this episode of the Bigfoot Society Podcast. In this episode of the Bigfoot Society podcast, I have the privilege of talking to Mr. Ron Reed, a Bigfoot researcher, uh, outdoorsman, hiker, filmmaker, all sorts of crazy stuff. And we have a really uh, insightful conversation that I think you're really going to like. So go ahead and uh, kick back uh, and enjoy my conversation with Mr. Ron Reed. All right. Well, thanks for coming back to the Bigfoot Society podcast. I have the privilege of having Mr. Ron Reed on today. Uh, and we are going to talk about all sorts of cool stuff. He is a, a Bigfoot researcher, outdoor adventurer. He likes to go hiking all over the place. Lots of cool stuff. Uh, what else would you like to add in there, Ron? What do you got going on? Mm. <laughs> I'm real big into making movies and stuff. Uh Still trying to learn a lot of that, uh, but yeah, I, I, kind of a jack of all trades, outdoor enthusiast. Um, and I guess recently I've been up in the, I relocated from the South in Tennessee. And so now okay. I'm in a brand new area here in the Midwest, um, up oh. by the Great Lakes. And so okay. I'm getting into the lake monsters and, and river nice. surface and stuff like that now. Oh, nice. So it's been kind of interesting to uh, venture out of the, uh, the normal Bigfoot territory that I stayed in. Totally, totally. I'm uh, I myself are in, in uh, central Iowa, so I'm in the Midwest okay. as well. Um, but I I don't want to dox you, so I, I I saw it on your YouTube channel though. It, you're in a nice area, uh, the state you're in. But oh yeah, yeah yeah. Yep. Um, but uh, no, your YouTube channel you got a lot of cool stuff on there. We'll have to definitely put it in the show notes. But um. I'm kind of curious. I, I heard about you from my my friend Tate Hieronymus from the Bluff Creek Project podcast. How did you uh, How did you meet Tate? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so so anybody that knows Tate, he's part of the the um, Bluff Creek uh, Project, and and so he was he was up there at, at uh, Laos Camp. Okay, and it was it was probably late. It was like ten thirty, maybe pushing eleven o'clock, and uh, and I kind of roll up in Laos camp kind of unannounced by everybody there. Uh, oh Steven Struford over at uh, Bigfoot yep. books kind of recommended that I, I check it out and that everybody there is, is currently, you know, hanging out by the, by the creek okay. there. And so I just kind of like showed up and spent a little time getting lost in the back country, you know, in my little oh, nice. uh, Ford escape. And, 
um, eventually made my way down into the camp and, you know, I had my, my usual travel companion bandit. He's my uh, blue healer shepherd mix, you know, he's oh, been my cool. travel companion for 10 years now. And, oh, uh, wow. yeah, we rolled up in there. Um, and this was like on the, like the midway point of like a 10,000 mile road trip, you know, through us oh, and Canada. Really? And, um, yeah. And, and, and we just kind of showed up there and, started talking to people you know i met a lot of uh, a lot of cool people down there and uh, i bet camp. and then yeah. i think I, I think within an hour or so of of meeting tate uh we were we were probably yelling our heads off at a different location somewhere near bluff creek you know trying to lure in a bigfoot uh, I want to say we were lasted a whole 10 minutes of trying to do it legitimately before we were yelling in mafia accents and, and just being like, completely oh, that's great. Ridiculous. <laughs> you know, like, like, come on out of here and fight me. You know, yeah, nice, nice. It, it obviously we, we tried to shake it up and, and try some more nuanced approaches to Bigfoot research and it, it didn't right, go well. Right. We didn't, we didn't observe any activity from that. But, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be weird if that was the thing that just like, you know, yeah, yeah, that was the trigger point. Was uh, was terrible mafia impersonations and yeah. like Bigfoot's like yeah. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Yeah, this this is where I draw the line. <laughs> Humans have got to go. Oh my goodness! So you you said a a road trip across the U.S. was that from uh, Tennessee out to Laos camp then? Or it, well, I mean, I like to lump in Florida too. Um, oh, okay, <laughs> because I actually my sister had a wedding in St. Augustine. And so I went to do that and, um, we got back from that. So I was at back at home in Tennessee for like a whole two days, you know, I picked okay. the dog up out of the, the dog sitters, um, residence. And then from there, it was like this big road trip, you know, across Colorado, the grand Canyon, you know, I'd been wanting to do like a coast to coast trip, mm. you know, for, for, you know, a really long time. And I finally, was able to pull it off. I had a vehicle that was up to the challenge and, um, yeah. no, the, the idea was to get out to the West coast and, and walk some of the, uh, the Bigfoot trail, which was a, a route kind of designed out there. It's kind of an unofficial trail network that was kind of put together to showcase, uh, conifer tree diversity. Okay. Um, and, uh, the person who designed the route, you know, I, I was talking to them, um, I made some attempts to have some interviews with people, you know, I'm, I'm sitting on a pile of content that's just undeveloped at the moment. Um, you know, I'm working full time and, and you oh, know, I'm sure. in a le critical role at my, my current job. So it's kind of hard to, you know, pull a lot of that stuff off the back burner, but yeah, but I went out there and I, I did a lot of great interviews with, um, some people out last at Laos camp. Um, and then I did some additional, uh, work with the, director of the epa on really? the tribal um wow. the tribal epa uh, in hoopa and so i did some interviews and we we kind of talked about i guess that my film goal was to talk about the klamath mountains talk mm -hmm. about the biodiversity of the region um, have a personal hike and then integrate concepts of environmental consciousness and bigfoot kind of in like in a big like <laughs> wow yeah really elaborate film and so I'm that still is really to, cool i'm still trying to work all that together but you know i'm real passionate about um sustainability and mm -hmm. wildlife conservation and i, I always feel like you know, for people that normally don't have those discussions bigfoot's like a good catalyst for that you know mm -hmm. like yep. you're out there yep. looking for bigfoot and you're like man it'd be a real shame if all of this disappeared because we were <laughs> irresponsible <laughs> right oh that's awesome so uh if you come out when you come out with that movie is that something that'll be on youtube or or what an actual like what are you thinking i think it'll probably be like a little series it'll split up okay. on on um on youtube though but that see that was the project of 2018 right now i'm working on the next year's project which was you know i spent uh three weeks in australia Whoa. Um, the following year, you know, my sister lives out there. So okay. we kind of road tripped a little bit, but we actually stopped a little bit in Queensland and I did a few little Yowie investigations. Oh, um, no way. So, yeah, I mean, it was, oh, it was kind nice. of interesting. I, I recently posted some pictures of some tracks I found in a Creek and they're kind of obscure, wow. weird tracks, but there's like this group on Facebook that 
um, they'll try to explain like, oh, well, you came across these types of tracks or, hey, that's clearly a bobcat. Nobody had a straight answer. Like there was a debate for a while saying maybe a camel, but camels are more common in Western Australia. Okay. And the only camel farm we could find was like an hour south. And it was just kind of in a weird area for just a camel to waltz down a creek bed. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Wow, it was a that yowie, is, that's it, weird, man. It definitely was like a big mystery that kind of lingered, you know, as part of my, my investigation. So, so let's, let's step back a little bit then. So what is it that, uh, what is it that drew you to Bigfoot originally? Is it something mm. where you were in it as a little kid or, or yeah, what's I mean, really, there? I, I remember my earliest memory of Bigfoot was going to the babysitters okay. this summer and her, her wicked little son was a couple years older than me. And he was telling me like all these horrible stories of how his friend was mauled by a Bigfoot, you oh, know, no. on the, it came into his house one day and was, you oh, know, his friend no. was on the bunk bed and, and it was so big that it got him on the top bunk, but he hid on the bottom bunk. And like, <laughs> I was like six. So I was like, yeah, that sounds terrifying. You know, big oh, yeah. monster just, kicks the door down and like you know beats up your friend and and yeah and you're like cowering under the bed like so so yeah he was telling me that and then he'd like have a deer head just severed in the woods and then like you know they'd hear a roar and he's completely just he saw he saw probably one bigfoot movie and was like just having the time of his life making his own scary movie plot (laughs) but but i remember being terrified of bigfoot when I was young and then I got a little bit older and I was more interested in, in some of those other shows. My dad was one of those, those dads that made you watch a few scary movies. You know, you had to uh, sit yep, there yep. and watch them, you know? Yep. And, uh, and so I think over time I just got numb to the fear. And then over time I was like, because I was interested in wildlife, you know, I grew up in that, that Steve Irwin crocodile hunter and, oh, yeah, and totally. early Jeff Corwin. Yep, um, yep. So like Animal Planet was was fire back then and mm-hmm. um it was all about animals, believe it or not. And uh that's weird, man. <laughs> yeah. So I mean that's that's kind of what got me into like to the animal side of it. And then when you combine like that mystery and that creepy factor, you know, that's that's it was the show Animal X that got me oh, kind of yeah, looking closer yeah, yeah, yeah. at the TV show. Yep. And then from there, you know, other shows like Monster Quest popped up. But I mean, I was reading Jeff Meldrum at like eighth grade. Wow. Um, and you really don't nice. understand a lot of that terminology. But luckily, you know, he's a guy that will step back and explain it mm-hmm. in like layman's terms. So totally. So, I mean, I, I grasped a lot at a young age and and I remember being in like the discussion club and it, and I did like a two or three part thing on Bigfoot and arguing for its existence, you know, and, um, a lot of my peers ended up like switching sides, you know, from skeptic to saying, Hey, yeah, I'm I'm more open-minded to it now. And then that got me like a vice president position the next year and then president the following year. So, I mean, it was like Bigfoot started carrying me places in like school and stuff. So I'm going, I always got A's on my Bigfoot papers. Nice. But, but yeah, I guess, yeah, it was it when I graduated. That's when I first got out there, and um, you know, most people are like, "Oh, there's a Bigfoot sighting about an hour from my home, so I'll get in my car and I'll drive down there." No, my first okay. Bigfoot investigation was I'm going to go to Six Rivers National Forest at the age of 17, Whoa. and that that was um, that was cool. I mean, I was in over yeah. my head, way over my head. Almost got you know killed by bears, rattlesnakes, you know, marijuana growers. You know, I came across some areas that looked like there might have been some some uh farming going you know there's some additional irrigation pipes in the areas there were some vague plants being covered up by tarps or something like that and it's just kind of like i i didn't really know what i was getting into but luckily i had some people looking out for me out there i made some friends and they were like hey that's good stay away from that let's let's find a safe spot for you this area (laughs) yeah so man 17 yeah, I turned 18 on the on the the flight back. So wow. Yeah, it was, it was really difficult to get my parents like to be okay with that. <laughs> and, I I totally could see how that would be a thing like how your parents 
did you did you really tell them everything or are you like you know i'm just kind of going out there you know yeah, yeah it's just kind of a camping trip you know and they knew yeah. i was you know pretty good at camping you know but then it was kind of okay. like oh i guess it's it's not a quite camp in the park it's a little bit more wild than that man that's crazy yeah. um tell me about your uh hiking the appalachian trail okay so uh that was gosh i guess going on six years ago now wow. um 2015, I, it actually started with a Bigfoot trip. Um, I went out, I was just kind of working a kind of dead end job, you know, wasn't getting paid right and everything. I was just like, man, I need to get some time off. So I went in and I told them, Hey, I'm going to take a few days off. And, um, they were okay with it. And I ended up doing like a four or five day investigation and part of it was going to be in North Carolina and part of it was going to okay. be like on Tennessee, um, bald mountain is yeah. uh, big bald mountain is a, a destination in Tennessee. It's more or less on the border, um, but it's along the Appalachian trail, maybe three, mm-hmm. 350 to 400 miles in. Yeah. And I went there because there were reports of the bald mountain monster or big bald monster or something like that. I heard of this one. This sounds cool. It goes back to like almost colonial times. And it's like, it's like, it was one of those types of stories where there's like anytime there was a, um, a settler cart or something, some merchants going up over the mountain pass, something would come out and (laughs) and like harass them or something like that. But I was like, that sounds cool. You know, and it almost like there were a few local reports that were, modern in and around that area that kind of turned me on to investigating it okay um so i went there and was just like let's let's take a look and it happened to be on the appalachian trail and wow. it happened i happened to go during the portion of the through hiking season where most of the southbound or the northbound hikers coming from georgia are mm-hmm. like walking right through so i met wow. like 30 to 40 hikers just that one day that were passing oh, nice. through and they all had their their original trail names and stuff like that yeah, that portion, you know, where I was doing my Bigfoot investigation, uh, the the I don't know if you know like what a bald is. It's just like there's just a grassy knoll. It's like a little meadow on top okay. of a mountain. Okay, and so it's they're really ecologically important for different you know birds that come through and uh, they'll mm. eat like the different seeds of different plants that grow there. But there's no trees, and so you just get like a 360 degree view around you. Interesting. Um, so I remember there, I watched the sunset. There was a meteor shower that night and then oh, the sunrise and then up to the sunrise, you know, I, you know, I was sitting there, I was sitting further down the, the hillside and my dog was like above me. I turned around and he was like also sitting, enjoying the view. Nice. And, and we were hearing like Turkey, you know, down in the valley, barred owl down in the valley. And then there was like this deer bounding down the the hillside too. And that was just kind of like, it was just like this little moment of serenity. And it was kind Mm -hmm. of, it it just dawned on me. I was like, I think now's the time to, while I'm young, while the dog's young to like Mm -hmm. hike the entirety of the trail. Because it had been kind of in the back of my mind and I've done sections with friends, but it was like, this is, this is what I got to do. This is what's been missing from my relatively unfulfilled life you know at the time there were a lot of relationship troubles a lot of like life difficulties a lot of unfulfilled like work roles and stuff and I was like I need a change of pace I need to plan my life in a different direction and I need the time to do that correctly Mm. so that was the Appalachian Trail I instantly got back within a week of that trip I had a second job that gave me the the funding that I needed to afford a through hike and fast forward, you know, a little bit less than a year from that point, And I was, I was on the trail in Georgia and my parents were waving me goodbye and good luck. And I started walking. <laughs> Man. So my, uh, my father was really into hiking when I, when I was growing up and actually I have hiked all of, uh, Connecticut and Massachusetts on the AT with him. Okay. Um, when I was in high school, but explain a little bit. So I don't think I want to make sure the listeners know how much of a time commitment it is for you to do the Appalachian trail. That's a big thing. Um, some people, they crush through it. They go mm-hmm. ultralight, they get support at different road crossings. And when they are literally running on the trail, they can get it done in around three months and some change. Yeah. 
Um, some other people on the tail side of that, you know, maybe additional health complications or age, you know, difficulties, age limitations, I guess, uh, they might get done in about eight months or so. So the average comes out at about six months. And that was about how long it took me to walk the entirety of the trail. Wow. Uh, you're unemployed, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're, yeah. you're walking along like mountain trails. You come across a few road crossings each day. Um, there are some portions of the trail that are more remote and there's not as many road crossings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every eight miles, I'd say on average, you get to shelters and you get yep. to water sources at different points. So you're, you're out there filtering stream water through your little portable filter. You're carrying, you know, everything you need with you, you know, to get through your days. And then you're hitchhiking into town or calling a shuttle, you know, to resupply, you know, after three or four days of hiking in the That's wilderness. Crazy. So yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty cool for me. You know, I was able to finally get out there and, and have a, a big, I mean, I'm, I wasn't any stranger to big adventures at that point, but um, to, to do that for a total of 2,189.2 miles yep. um, was, was, was definitely larger scale than anything oh, else yeah. I'd pulled off in the past. That's so um, cool. And to have my dog there the whole way like that. Mm. I mean, we were close before, but like now, I mean, that, that, that trip really yeah. boosted the bond, so to speak. You know, you really get to understand the little subtleties of like what your dog's trying to tell you with his tail or with his ears, how he looks up at you. So, um, yeah, that was, it was definitely pretty, pretty grand. Like in just about any wildlife you could think of, you know, we've had oh, some type totally, of encounter man. with it. Yeah. When I, I remember a, a part in Connecticut, hiking through these pine forests and it's like there was a few parts where it's like there's something watching me right now and i hope it's not a mountain lion because like you just you just get the the hair on the back of your neck standing up it's like yeah yeah you're out there man you're out there yeah yeah and i'm it, it wouldn't surprise me if there was a mountain lion there totally the the wildlife and game officials it's funny to me because you know they'll, they'll say well they're not in this state or they're not really they haven't been reported here but a lot of those animals are reclaiming their historical ranges like oh just, totally yeah we don't have bears in middle tennessee but like a year ago we had one like walk down my home street like mm-hmm. and so it's it's you know we also caught mountain lions on our cameras our trail cameras and stuff uh, like yeah. in different parts of the state so so it's, yeah, it's, it's hard that you can't, you can't track every animal out there. So they just kind of show up where they show up. That is true. I mean, we have mountain lions show up in the middle of uh, Des Moines, Iowa and they're, yeah. they took one out where it was trying to stalk a, uh, a, a class of kids in the middle of the city. And it was right outside the fence. I'm not even kidding. You, you could, wow. it's a few years back, but you can look it up. Uh, were there any points when you were uh, hiking along the trail where, um, any uh any any so you had been searching for bigfoot before did you work that into your your appalachian trail hike at all or was it you were pretty much yeah, just focusing there, on the hike there were actually like i actually had like a because i because i've been putting this up the trail series on mm-hmm. youtube um mm-hmm. i'm still not done with that you know like going back to you know being distracted by other things you know it's kind of totally. breaks the continuity um but there were a few episodes that i had that had Bigfoot in there, you know, like where I stopped and observed something about uh, Bigfoot in the area. You know, I'd hear hikers would tell me stories uh, about some other local person having an mm. encounter and randomly telling them. Uh, oh, wow. There was, for me, there was a point in the, in North Carolina, there's a mm-hmm. town called Hot Springs, North okay. Carolina. And it's where there's a little bit of UFO activity, some paranormal stuff, like people nice. reported seeing ghosts in historical times. Nice. And there were Bigfoot sightings. And, and this little town is very unassuming. It's just nestled in the mountains by a little mountain stream. Uh, there's a couple of little diners where you can get some, some good lunch. Uh, but, but it's got all this like weird paranormal and encrypted based activity around it. Really? And, and they call it, um, they got a little slogan in there in that town and it's hot springs north carolina where where mayberry meets the twilight zone 
Oh, that's, and that's so, awesome. So I've got that's an episode really cool. in my hiking series that's called Weirdsville, USA. Nice. I just kind of talk about um, some of the different things that are happening there. And I do a little bit of a investigation down by the river. Not really too much happening there, but it's just kind of, it's a little check mark in the, in the middle of nowhere that, you know, I, I think about revisiting from time to time because uh, mm. it's just, this is not, not, there's not a lack of good stories coming out of that area. So. Gotcha. When you, uh, to fast forward, then when you went out to the Bigfoot trail, did you have any um, experiences or anything out of the ordinary during, during that trail? Yeah. Um, it was right out of the package really. Wow. Um, and, and, and really, I think I had some more strange things as I went from one location to another from the road trip. So when I was on the Bigfoot okay. trail, because it was so remote and a lot of it was overgrown and the, the data set that I had for the trail was a little bit outdated, mm. it, I had a lot of difficulty navigating out there. Uh, so I kind of at one point, I was just like, well, why don't I just go to the more populated areas? Let's put the idea of a through hike of the whole 300 plus miles on hold. And okay. let's just do like a solid hundred miles of various sections, you know, sure. going to different wilderness areas, different highlights in those trails, like of, that I want to see, you know, so I went to a lot of like mountain lakes and stuff, but it was the first day on the trail. I got a, a ride down there. It was raining okay. the whole time. Um, so I'm, I'm already like sopping wet, like straight out of the car and, you know, me and bandit are trudging along it's getting late in the evening and, you know, we keep stopping cause I'm trying to, con, um, I'm trying to identify all the conifers that I'm walking by, you know, cause I'm sure, trying to, right, you know, right. the creator yeah. made that a big highlight of the trail. So I'm like, well, I got to learn more about these evergreen trees. Right. So I'm stopping down yeah. and looking at a pine cone and like looking at it and rotating it and saying, well, the needles are this long on the branches and the pine cone is approximately seven inches long. So this okay. might be a Shasta, whatever, you know, right. But, but it's late in the evening It's getting dark and it's still raining. And, um, I have to set up camp. And so I'm trying to scout areas and I'm going along this ridge and it's over down below me is like this river that's flowing. And I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head, what river or Creek that was, but I remember seeing something mm. and it was, it was, it was kind of dusk. So I didn't, I didn't have like a good visual, but it, I remember thinking it was a stump when I walked by and there were lots of okay. trees obscuring my path. And then it seemed to me, and this is, this is extremely iffy. And I don't know if it was just cause I was tired from walking yep. in the rain or whatever, but it seemed to me that that stump like grew in stature. Oh man. Yeah. Like something that had been like squatting down now was crouching upward. And, yeah. and I, and, you know, I continued to walk and before my brain could process it, I was like, yeah. wait a minute, was that the same thing I was staring at the last time in the clearing, you know? And so again, the trees obscured it this, a second time and I tried to backtrack and all of a sudden I couldn't find that stump on my line yeah. of sight. And so I went all the way back and I was looking around and I think at one point when I was trying to backtrack and rediscover the stump I was looking at, um, I, I heard something further down because it was like a little shelf on the ridge. And then so okay. it goes down after that flat spot. So, oh, so, wow. so I, I don't know if, if I, if I was you know, observing correctly or whatever, but it seemed like something was there it changed position and then it was gone. And this was after finding a depression in the soil. Um, really? But it, but I, I can't mm. say that that was like a clear track. I looked at that. I saw okay. some toe indentations. I've showed it to a few other people and I've compared it to what other people think are Bigfoot tracks, but I still think that could be bare. So, yeah. so I, I, I don't know, like it, it was a little, a little weird, but not, not really. It was some type of animal track. I know that much. It wasn't just like soil getting kicked up or from, you know, like a, a rock getting pulled out of the, the ground. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, I found that. And then the next day, you know, like 
I set up camp after that and I spent a considerable amount of time trying to rediscover that thing I was looking at. And there were a few other stumps in the woods and I'm starting to think, well, maybe I imagine it over far more to the right than it actually was. Maybe that one all the way to the left is, was what I was staring at. You know, I might've gotten lost in my own head for a second and then, you know, thought I saw something out of the ordinary and maybe it wasn't all, all that out of the ordinary, but I do remember like kind of in the dead of night and I don't know, like I could be like one of those lucid dreamers that has like, you know, something going yeah. on like in their head, right. you know, and then they think it's actually happening. Um, but, but yeah, I remember, I remember waking up feeling like I heard a couple of knocks that night. Wow. Oh man. And then the following day, this part I can, I'm, definitely no happened so anything that happened that night before when i was tired and, and okay. it was raining and 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 i went to sleep shortly after i don't know too much about those details but i do know like i was sound in mind and alert and awake when my dog was growling at something some unseen thing behind me the entire like hike out of that area oh man. so i mean we did a 20 mile day that day mm. and i want to say for a solid 12 before we hit the road like something was my dog just kept looking behind me and doing a real low miles yeah oh, like so man. it was just like a it no was just way. like a, a growl like you're, he was just kind of like dude yeah i mean yeah and and that and and i was in this i was in the state of mind too though like i'm in northern california there could yep. be a mountain lion oh um, totally yeah so yeah. i mean i spent time in the everglades and i'm pretty convinced at one point a uh, florida panther stopped by the tent but oh, yeah. I, but in terms of that, like, I don't know, like, I, I don't know if anything was up there in California. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that was on the Bigfoot trail itself. That was maybe the only weird thing that happened. Okay. Um, it wasn't until like later I'd go up to like Skookum Meadows in oh, Washington yeah. and, cool. I, and, and it was closed off. The gate was closed for the season and I just okay. parked at the gate and hiked in and oh, um, had something creeping around and dog wasn't too happy about that either oh it's um, like growling at something yeah, yeah something came right wow. up behind us um well i actually found a really good hiding spot like in a natural blind and i really? brought a chair a sleeping bag i was getting cozy i was reading mm-hmm. a book yeah and um something something creeped up right behind us there's tons of elk tracks in that area too so yeah so plenty uh, of a good food source definitely yeah for stuff dude Man, do you get into some wild stuff wherever you go? So what are you uh what are you getting into in the Midwest then? That's in the Midwest. Yeah, well, that's what I'm kind of curious about. Well, every Great Lake has some type of Great Lake monster. Totally. Um I'm I I'm trying to think of some of them off the top of my head, but I can't think. But even the little pocket lakes, mm. um, there's there's um lake monsters out there in like Devil's Lake, which makes you wonder why it's called Devil's Lake. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, Lake Winnebago's got uh some something out there. And so I've I've kind of been jumping into those, but I actually have already been to Bray Road a few times. Uh, okay. where they've got the beast of Bray okay, Road. Yep, yeah. So yep. a little bit of a dog man like search going on there. I was patrolling right. the roadsides and um had a little thermal camera like every time I went out into an open field. Actually found a stray cat that way and, and oh, took it nice. to an adoption center. Uh oh, named good it for Bray. You. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, but yeah, there's some some different things going on there. I spent a lot of time up on the Ice Age Trail, another long distance trail that mm. I plan to do some time on. Uh that's a thousand miles throughout the state oh, of Wisconsin. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. It's it's meant to follow and showcase a lot of the uh, Pleistocene era, like geographical changes, you know, from glacier activity and okay. and stuff like that. So um, there's a lot of strange formations and bogs and different types of environments out here in Wisconsin. So mm. it's, it's oh, yeah. interesting, interesting to see like different things there. I'm, I'm struggling to find Bigfoot in this area. Um I, so, I haven't had an encounter or found footprints all that often, but I, um, I, I guess I observe knocks a lot, okay. which knocks in themselves are kind of confusing, uh, whether or not it's gunshots or something along those lines. But 
Uh, I didn't really have anything happen in Wisconsin yet, but I did take a little trip to Michigan and in one of those national forests up there. And um, I I had something, something making knocks early in the morning, but was that in uh, upper peninsula or no, it was, it was in, um, it was in one of the little nooks and crannies of like the, I guess, what do you call that mainland Michigan or, uh, okay. But yeah, I was in the mitten, in the mitten part. Yeah. Right. Uh, the upper peninsula, dude, if you ever get up there, that, that place will mess like that place is wild big time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I've, um, I've actually, I've, yeah. I've, I've circled through Michigan across like the straits of the, okay. the lakes there and then went down into upper Michigan. And then I also kind of drove up there and to the base of Lake Superior and did some investigations there. I, you know, whenever I get my little weekends off of work, I, I try to mm-hmm. go up there that way, but it's, it's been difficult because I haven't been here in the height of summer. I got, I first got up here in like the fall, early fall, and then went back down stateside because I was launching a new site for my company up here. And then I went back home and then took a position back up here. Mm. Uh, So, so I was up here for like early fall and then came back in late fall. And I don't know, it's been, it's been kind of quiet up here. So I don't know if like the winters are extreme. I mean, they get, negative 50 degrees at their worst here it's not been fun dude (laughs) wind blast from like the lake effect from the prairie effect like all that like um we i was out hiking with the dog on um in the snow today and that was just like a little riverside park you know but it made it seem Mm -hmm. like i was trudging through siberia (laughs) totally totally uh going back to wisconsin um one of my buddies uh uh, Jay Pachochin is up there and he, he does a lot of Bigfoot stuff up and I don't know town names, but in the Kettle Moraine area. Yeah. Yeah. He has a lot of interesting encounters up there. It might be something to look into if you, if you spend some time in Wisconsin, but yeah, you never I know. I think I man. was in the Southern, Southern terminus of the Kettle. Oh, okay. I think at one point. Yeah. Okay. That was, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how it's laid out. Um, but yeah, that was after the Bray road thing. I was, I looked around and I was like, well, where's some extensive forest? Where can totally. I go? And I ended up on like, uh, it was a portion of the trail that went through there and walked around and found a little marshy, uh, area there. And yeah, it's, it's, it is, it is kind of wild out here. Um, in a lot of places, mm-hmm. like I, I, there's just a little trail, a greenway trail, like, and I'm in the city. Okay. And there's like a little greenway trail and I'm, I'm like out there finding <laughs> dead coyotes, like oh, found a dead really? coyote out here like a, a month ago. And I don't know what wow. killed it, but then the next week I went out there and, and you could see where all these other coyotes were um, oh, cannibalizing the first one. Yeah. So it was, it was, it's a pretty extreme, you know, I think Wisconsin's one of those States where it's like, not everything's been totally developed. Yep, it has totally, like a clear totally. line. Like you've got like all these little pockets of wilderness just kind of seeping in and invading. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess they're not invading cities are invading, but, but you just kind of, it's always been like a blend. Like we got this wild rock river going right through this, this city of Beloit, you know, Gotcha. it's, it's a historical, really civilized area. And then all of a sudden you got this river you know, bringing who knows what into the, the area, you know, but <laughs> Is I kind of like that. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, I like the the mixture of, you know, of wild side into the, the civilized part of it, you know? Totally. Yeah. Is there a spot in the uh, U.S. that you're wanting to go to, to check out Bigfoot stuff, but you haven't gotten to yet? Yes. Yeah. Um, coming from a guy who's been to Falk, you know, down in Boggy mm-hmm. Creek territory and... Okay been out in the smoky mountains colorado rockies i've been to um i've been to you know northern california washington oregon um the place that i haven't had a chance to get to yet that i really want to check out is the adirondacks in new york oh my goodness i've got family out there i was born at the base of the adirondacks and i just haven't like i just haven't jumped into it yet um so now that I'm a little oh, bit yeah. closer, I might have to start making that trip. So I don't know um, if I'm closer, but. <laughs> so yeah, growing up in Western Mass, like we took a few trips out to um, 
to the Adirondacks and like, yeah, that area. I mean, um, even Seth Breedlove is coming out with uh, his next uh, Bigfoot documentary is all about pretty much the Adirondacks. And I've seen a, seen an advanced copy of it and like, dude, you could totally like, I would love to see you go out there and hear what your stories are. Cause it's wild out there, man. Totally wild. But what was uh, what was the Falk area like? Do you mind sharing a little bit about oh, what that was like? I uh, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a place that's pretty dear to my heart. It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. spots to go to. And I mean, I started going there when I start. I started going to the Texas Bigfoot Conference down there, the one that Craig oh, yeah. Peter puts on. Totally. He's been putting mm-hmm. it on for a while. I mean, there were a lot of other ones. I think they were closer to my region in Tennessee. But I said, well, I want to go to one that's been established. I want one that has guests that, like, I know and that I've, like, read their books. And, um, and yeah, his was the one that was, like, up to scale for for what I was looking for for my first Bigfoot conference. And, yeah, I went down there and I checked it out. But Falk was, like, right on the way. You know, that's only an hour north and I'm coming from the north, you know, go, okay. when I go down there to Texas. So, so yeah, I, I stopped by and took a quick look, discovered the monster mart. And, nice. Um, nice. Then I was like, I got to go back here. And I think that conference here, Lyle Blackburn had just recently within a couple of years wrote his book on the subject. Mm. And so, you know, he was bringing up fresh sightings and stuff out of that area that he continued to like observe. And he actually took us back up there, did a tour of like all like the relevant oh, sites wow. of the area. And he was pointing out like, this is where the Ford house used to be here. This is where, you know, they found the, the tracks in the bean field from the movie, you know? And yeah. And then he took us to Boggy Creek and we all had photo ops and stuff. That's and awesome. that was, that was a cool experience. But from there, like everybody else kind of went back and I did mm-hmm. go back to, Jefferson to do a little stuff around Caddo Lake because a lot of sightings come out of that area as well but then I on my way back I went and spent like a couple of nights in Falk and that first year Mm. was was a big year you know because I was a guy who hadn't had a lot of like Bigfoot experiences because I don't do it full-time and I'm an individual so you know it's like it's not like I'm part of a 20-man expedition and if one guy finds tracks when there's 20 guys looking for it you know it's so easy when you're just an individual to miss something yeah oh so, I bet. yeah you know on another hand you know maybe you're less intimidated maybe something will come right up and mm-hmm. hang out near your camp but i mean it's probably going to do it to where you're never even going to know so that's yeah that's a good point so i didn't really i didn't really have a lot of success and this was like my first year this was after the appalachian trail a year after and it was like my first like okay if i'm gonna get back into bigfoot i'm gonna put more effort into it i'm gonna do it right mm, and nice. and so yeah out there i went and explored an area of mercer bayou there i had a little kayak at the time and i kayaked back into the the bayou and, and it was like the beginning if you, you've seen ledger boggy creek like at the beginning mm-hmm. where there's like the beaver swimming around and you have like all these weird bird noises that, okay. you know, like I thought that was a beaver until I like saw a bird make that noise oh, in that's person. Funny. But oh, it wow. was like, but yeah, so you start and then you have these tree frogs like croaking and, and like I was out there on my kayak and I had a tree frog hop on my kayak and like a butterfly was like flying by and it was like a really nice. weird, like, like another serene moment in my life. But, but it was, it was also like the beginning of Boggy Creek. It was like everything was kind of peaceful and natural. And I was just, I, when I started hearing those birds making that that sound, like when yeah. I heard the same soundtrack as the beginning of the movie, I was like, okay, when do I hear the scream? Like, <laughs> and oh, I mean, I, I didn't hear anything at that point, um, but it was getting dark. And I remember I had started paddling really fast back to the, the car. And I went back and there were actually some Bigfoot investigators in my camp. Like these guys were coming from, they didn't come from the conference. Really? They, they came from like Northern Arkansas. 
Oh, they wow. they spent the whole day with like some person that claimed they had Bigfoot and fairies living in their backyard. And this is like the fairy holes. Really? And this is where Bigfoot eats like from the bird feeder. And oh wow. They were just kind of disappointed because they're like, this, this seems a little extreme and out there. And you know, we were hoping we get to like do some research, you know. Mm-hmm. And I come out of Mercer Bayou, like, guys let's i found a spot you know like oh awesome dude you want to team up let's go like to mercer bayou and so i went out with like this like there might have been five of them so there might have been six of us all together and uh we went out and there was an upland area at the edge of the the bayou and we went back there and we started wood knocking they had a louisville slugger and was just knocking on a tree nice nice and we heard something respond back in the bayou now we had like i had just explored that area and i knew that this was at least like waist deep water yeah in most areas you know you had a lot of forested area but it was all bald cypress so these are like the trees with the submerged okay um, roots and so something slowly but surely started coming out of the bayou in the dark there was one car in the parking lot um with a boat ramp and those people eventually like they went they were i saw them take off when i left and then they were coming back as we were doing our wood knocks but we were wondering like what is that what's coming towards us is it that person on the boat you know like what's Mm -hmm. going on but we saw the lights of the boat come from a different direction and they kind of went through the channel and then came back um and went up to dock and as they went to the the dock we continued to hear the wood knocks, but at that point, the boat must have startled whatever it was, oh, and it started yeah. to go in a different direction and veered off back into the bayou. Mm. And we just kind of like we're sitting there observing it. These guys that were wood knocking, they'd never been out there bigfooting before. I've heard knocks on a few different occasions. Like even my first California trip, I observed a little bit of that um, mm. um, while I was waiting at a trailhead, you know, for a ride to come and pick me up. But Okay. Back in Arkansas, like these guys had never done that before. So they were just like, what, what's going on? Like, is something actually coming towards us? Like, like, what's, oh, wow. like, what's going to happen? You know, they were yeah. scared. And, um, but yeah, whatever it was, the boat kind of made it change its direction. And, and we went back and talked about it. And I actually have one of my videos on YouTube. I think it's just a little interview I had with those guys talking about nice. it. And the following year I went back and this is, they had drained the bayou and I tried to go out there and, and have a repeat of what happened last time. Mm-hmm. And I was doing some knocks and this, this is where like, I, I get frustrated because everything in, when you're doing Bigfoot investigations, if you don't have other people there to kind of corroborate, like what you're saying, you just feel like you're going crazy. Right. Oh, I'm sure. Um, so I've never, I have yet to do it, but I totally get like what, what you're saying yeah like so i mean and I'm, i feel like i'm a pretty psychologically sound guy you know like okay. i make good responsible decisions on a regular nice, basis nice. you know like i don't yep. i don't hallucinate i don't just walk out one day on my way to work and see leprechauns dancing on the roof you know so <laughs> so i'm trying to figure out like okay if i'm out here bigfooting like am i psychologically like tripped out enough like mm. based off the circumstances am i imagining what's happening right now or am i perceiving things incorrectly Okay. But the second time I went out to that access point of the bayou, and of course, everybody talks about Boggy Creek. Everybody talks about the Sulphur River. But I know, like, I, I want to spend a considerable amount of time in the bayou just as well mm. um, because I continue to have weird things happen out of there. Yeah, totally. Um, the second time I, I, was, I was out there and I was wood knocking and I heard a bard out. And that's one of those things is like, it's almost on cue now. Like every time I try a wood knock, I hear a bar now, wherever I am. It's just really? kind of like, I don't, there might be yeah. something that just sets them off, you know? That's weird, man. Yeah. But, but they're, they're pretty widespread across the United States and they're pretty common to be doing sure. that at dusk. So if I'm out there and I think dusk is a fair point to start doing wood knocks, then it's not completely out of the ordinary for an owl, an animal that's active at that hour to also be making sounds. So that being said, I did. I heard a, owl, uh, a barred owl, and then I heard a different owl. It was a what what you would think would be a, a great horned owl. 
Um, so, so, you know, you get, you get some different and, you know, getting into Bigfoot, one of the things I've done, like, you know, using my combined interest of animals and, and having a possessing an animal knowledge, you know, I've tried to understand different vocalizations and sounds, you know, to kind of narrow down what is and isn't a Bigfoot vocalization. So a lot of people don't understand a lot of these Bigfoot sounds, the Bigfoot screams is like the mating call of a male red fox or different, um, interesting, different animal sounds. So, okay. so, you know, I, I kind of caught on that pretty early. And so I was like, well, I need to know all these different sounds of owls because people say screech owl, barred owl, all this other stuff. Well, I'm out there in Falk uh, or the area around Falk. And I heard the barred owl, which is very distinct. Like they, they say, it sounds like somebody asking you who cooks for you. Right. Which is the, the <clears throat> yep. and then the other sound was the very low, like of like a, a great horned owl. Those are killer owl impressions, by the way. Like, I, I mean, I have my dad used time. to do that stuff all the time because he was a, a summer camp director. So yeah. you nailed it, man. Good job. So, so those are, those are the owls. Um, and, and I noticed something like I heard one barred owl over here. Right. Okay. And I heard a great horned owl over there. And I was like, that's not, that's not weird. You know, owls are territorial. They'll, they'll stake yeah. out their claims or whatever. And then I kept knocking. Right. I was like, I'm just gonna keep going. I'm, owls are cool. That's there. You know, I'm just going to keep this up though and see what I can sure. get. And like I'd knock and then I heard like another owl, like another barred owl over there, you know? So now I've got like three owls in the area. And okay. then as I continued to knock, then over here was the great horned owl, like in this side. And then over there is like the, the, the barred owl. So it sounded like, like I'd continue to listen. And it sounded like there were three separate locations. All of them had two owls in the same area. Like, that's weird. So it was like, it was, I was like, that, that sounds, yeah, like it's unusual. We wouldn't expect like yeah. two other, like different species of owls to just hang out. Like I said right. earlier, they're pretty territorial. So it's yeah. like one over there, one over there, one over there. Pack of coyotes run through um, behind me and they're yipping and yowling. They're on the hunt, oh, you know? Man. It's, yeah. it's wild out there. It's, I mean, you get out there by the river bottoms or the, the bayou and there's just wildlife everywhere. Well, after those coyotes ran through, then I started hearing like yips of coyotes in the same area. So the mental image that I was expected mm. to accept was, was like three different triangulated areas around me, all of which like had two different types of owls and a coyote like hanging out at the base of the tree. And I was just like, Dude, that's, that's weird. Yeah. yeah. And I, I got really upset about it. I was like, what the heck, you know? Yeah. So I went out there and I, I at that point I, I got away from the trees and I was like in the big open parking area. I didn't, I wanted to have like a, at least, you know, 20 feet of, of visual all around me, you know, cause I felt like I was like, something was closing in on me. Sure. And, and so from there, I was like, well, the knocks just seem to make a bunch of, you know, a bunch of animals respond. So what if I started making my own sounds, you know, but what would I do? Would I start doing owl sounds or what? So then I was like, well, I'm a human, you know, I'm pretty domesticated. So what if I started doing domesticated animals? So I started, yeah. so this is, this is where I talk about, like, are you going crazy? Like, right. <laughs> did you just have like a little moment in the wilderness, you know, or whatever? I started meowing like a cat. Oh my goodness. Like nice. a cow barking yep. like a dog. And I did that for maybe five minutes. And then I heard distant a knock. And that bugged me, man. Like, cause, cause everybody wow. talks about them like mimicking, but I couldn't tell the difference. Everybody says, well, that just sounded like a certain owl, like a deep, you know, deep voiced owl wasn't a good imitation. You could tell, you know, but for me, I was like, I could not tell. And I mean, I might've just been out Dude. there with like a whole Noah's Ark assortment of animals, but, Man. but that, that knock at the end was really, it just rubbed me the wrong way. And I was just like, mm. I'm mad. Like, this is the first time where I reached a limit where things were happening and I was just exhausted. And I was like, wow, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't care if something's out there. It's made me angry. <laughs> like, so wow. I got the, I got Sierra sounds that I had, you know, from, 
Okay. Uh, those recordings. Yep. And I, I had it on a CD and I put it in the CD thing. I blared it up to full volume. And the one where it's like really mad, where it's like, the, yeah, yeah. you know, that's the one <laughs> I played. And I drove out at about five miles an hour. I was so upset and I wanted whatever out there like, to know that I was not happy how the night went. And I went back like another <laughs> night, maybe two nights or no, it was one more night and like the following morning. And I still try to do some things. And, and at that point, like everybody was just done. <laughs> you know, like it was quiet. I didn't hear any owls, wow. no coyotes. It was just like, it was like a ghost town after, after I made my dramatic exit. That is wild. Um, and then that same area, I found like just collections of animal bones, like right there near the parking lot, you know, and, and that could be people really? too, you know, they go out there yeah, on their boats true. and they, they that's hunt true. a lot of stuff, but there's a lot of weird random collections, like big animal femurs, like, and then like a turtle shell, you know, I guess I, whatever you could put in the stew pot, but yeah, true. Um, yeah. But I went out there one other time with some people and it was a couple of ladies and they were doing vocalizations and I would do a few vocalizations. Really? I'd let them do like a lot of the whoops and howls and stuff. Okay. And we started hearing what sounded like vocalizations too. I had no a new way. micro, I had a new audio recorder. Okay. But I didn't know how to use it and I was recording with it, but I had the, the mic turned all the way down. And oh, so like no. probably one of the most active like nights I've yeah. had for potential vocalizations. Yeah. I just didn't record. And, you know, oh, everybody yeah. talks about the curse of Bigfoot. That's like my classic moment for that. Exactly. Yeah. No, I hear that over and over again, man. It's like, there's always it's yeah, it's definitely some weird curse, man. Yeah. Oh man. What you got some killer stories. Tate was totally right, man. Like you're rocking it. It's, and it's, it's for me though. It's like, it's, I've never had that. Ooh, a sighting, you know, it's always that weird okay. vague thing that just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like, yeah, he's got some, he's, he's got some, some credit here, but we're going to keep it extremely vague. And, and you know, it's like, I don't know. Like I, 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 I see it either way. Like it was either a whole lot of something or a whole lot of nothing. And, and it just the way I choose to tell the story, you know, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to sure. like think one way or another, like, I mean, it's, I, I use it to the, I guess the listener's discretion. Like I had some mm -hmm. weird things happen. I don't want you, I don't want to force you to believe that I had an experience with Bigfoot or I didn't. Right. I just want you to kind of determine for yourself based off of my observations. Like, Hey, that's, that is weird, you know? Right. No, totally. And well, I mean, hats off to you because a lot of people will, you know, just try to steer a certain way and not really let the listener figure it out for themselves. So that's respectable. Yeah. Yep. I, I will say that it seems like more weird things happen to me when I'm out in the woods looking for Bigfoot. Mm. Whereas if I'm just taking a regular camping trip with friends to a spot that we like, you know, okay. It's it. It's not always a factor, you know. That weird, unexplainable experience isn't always a factor every time I step off into the woods. It's usually when I'm on the trail of something. So, definitely, man, Ron, this has been really fun. Thank you for coming on and and chatting uh, for already an hour, man. This is crazy. Yeah, um, it flies by. It always flies. It, by it really me. does. Yeah, it totally does. Like I was just talking to Mark. Marcel a few weeks ago, the eight Canyon guy. And it was like, bam, the hour was like, you know, gone. Um, yeah. can you remind, um, the listeners again, like if they, uh, how to best, um, keep up to date with, um, you know, if you're going to continue, hopefully continue to put out those, uh, Bigfoot videos and interviews that you were mentioning before, how can they do that? Uh, well, my YouTube channel is just kind of a weird, obscure channel with my name attached to it. Um, so it's just Ron Reed. And typically you won't get anything like a, you won't get any reactions until you start Googling like Ron Reed with Bigfoot or Ron Reed with up the trail or Appalachian Trail hike or something like that. Um, but for the most part, for anything that's like my uh, my Bigfoot related content. I usually share all those videos and the links from YouTube on my Facebook page, which this is, I thought this was funny. Um, it's Sasquatch <laughs> society, not Bigfoot society. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, 
oh funny okay there's yeah. other bigfoot societies too which is even funnier but they're yeah. a little bit that's not the you know actual bigfoot societies like i think there's like pennsylvania bigfoot society but yeah this right. funny sasquatch society what is uh what is sasquatch society what like, is that's it interesting yeah okay so i guess my my approach to look at it was it was it was like supposed to be a, a jack of all trades all encompassing um thing uh community to grow like a society of bigfoot enthusiasts so oh, whether cool. you liked bigfoot in in pop culture media you know there's a place yeah. for that um over time i i've been actually trying to been conceptualizing an idea for a podcast like for several years and and i want to have a podcast that's basically a critical thinking podcast for okay. enthusiasts so oh cool so because of my interest in in the natural sciences paleontology mm. and wildlife um behavior and and things like that i want to have a, a podcast that kind of thinks of those not frequently thought of questions about nice. Bigfoot. Like if we're going to entertain, entertain the existence of Bigfoot in North America, like we have to accept the fact that it survived Pleistocene America, you know, like this mm -hmm. thing, like, mm -hmm. does it make sense? Could Bigfoot like contend with giant ground sloths, mammoths, you know, oh, saber tooth cool, cats, you know? So yeah. like, what are the adaptations that we can see in eyewitness reports? Mm that would have been good for Bigfoot to have 10,000 years ago. So, wow. so, so it's, it's one of those things you kind of bridge those pieces, you know, natural history will kind of provide answers for you and you understand it well enough. So um, that's just one of many of the different like conversations yeah. that you can have, you know, you could talk about, you know, nutritional requirements and stuff like that. Um, I like it, man. That's cool. So, so that's yeah, cool. I mean, and, and still in the same sense, I still want to have current events up there. Um, and and put a lot of different bits of information pertaining to Bigfoot and cryptozoology up there. So I, I don't know. I, I guess it. I guess a good podcast has a lot of variety in it. Um, True. And so, um, yeah, I guess it's a wide branching thing. But but yeah, the big the Sasquatch Society thing is just a, a, a thing that I do to kind of put some Bigfoot information out there, and people tend nice. to like it. You know, I got a couple awesome. couple thousand people that are into the page. So. Um, Oh, that's wow. probably that's the best Facebook way to stay page? in touch. Uh, yeah, it's Facebook. Okay. It's um, yeah, Sasquatch Society. If you search that in Facebook, it'll pop right up. And, totally and any videos that I put up that are related to Bigfoot on on YouTube, that'll all kind of it'll make its way through to that that page. So nice, nice. But yeah, cool, man. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I will put those in the uh, in the show notes for real, so people can check that out. But um, thank you again for coming on and sharing your stories. Very, very interesting. Um, we already talked earlier. Uh, you're going to stay on for a little bit uh, longer to uh, share a few more stories for uh, the Patreon. Uh, if you want to hear those, uh, you go to patreon.com forward slash Bigfoot Society, support the podcast for $5 a month and uh, hear uh, what Ron is going to share and um, some other crazy stuff as well we've got in there. So thanks again for coming on, Ron. And uh, thanks again, listeners, for listening. And have a great rest of your day, guys. Thanks, Ron. Yep, thanks. Big thanks again to Ron Reed. Make sure to check out his uh, page on Facebook, Sasquatch Society. Some good stuff in there. I went ahead and checked it out. It's a good time. Uh, also, go ahead and subscribe to his YouTube channel. There are plenty of awesome videos if you're into Bigfoot. And also... Uh, hiking videos as well. Pretty cool stuff. So definitely go ahead and give him a uh, subscription, a follow, all that good stuff on his YouTube channel. Again, that's in the uh, show notes for this episode as well. Thank the supporting members of the Bigfoot Society Patreon. Uh, we have Surfetes, uh, Josh Suich from the Starfall Collective on Twitch. Greg Morrill from the Order 66 podcast. We have Coco Van Boxtel from Strange Little Lands. Daniel Fuller with Caveman Resale on eBay. Connor Anderson. And if you're not a Patreon member and you're just a listener, thanks for taking your time out of your busy day and spending some time with us. Uh, go ahead and uh, subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Leave a review on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and uh, your preferred podcast platform and um 
If you have any stories, you can give us an email at BigfootSociety at gmail.com. And again, check out the articles we have and more preferred book lists at BigfootSocietyPodcast.com. You can always go to Instagram at Bigfoot Society. And we have a TikTok now. It gets pretty crazy there. Bigfoot, Bigfoot.Society at Bigfoot.Society. And if you've got a story to tell and it's related to cryptozoology or the unknown, don't be afraid to send me a DM on Instagram at Bigfoot Society. I'd love to uh, share your story with the world. Let's uh, get it squatchy. (laughs) One last thing, guys. We need to talk about the new Clubhouse app. Uh, It's currently in beta. It is an audio-only platform. I am currently setting up uh, the cryptozoology community on Clubhouse. So if you have Clubhouse... Look up uh, my name, which is public and out there, Jeremiah Byron, and um, it's username at Bigfoot Society, and add me so that you can be in the Clubhouse Bigfoot Society room that'll be happening every week at uh, Wednesday night, 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's a great time. We've got a lot of people already in there. Uh, You're going to get hooked, so check it out. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Bigfoot Society. Any content provided by our guests are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone. Thank you. And now for a moment of Zen. The wizard's 10th rule is willfully turning aside from the truth is treason to oneself. What does that mean to you? That's from the sword of truth. I, I did not know that you you are into the sword of truth series. I'm a little taken aback right now. Mm-hmm. Really sad. I'm not. That. I just really researched good. <laughs> <laughs>